Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I'll tell you, that'll stir the heart of a child of God, will it not? Uh, That's the only way we got in. It wasn't any other way. It was the way of the cross and the way of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, there's something about the cross that stirs the heart of a child of God. I think about how captivating the cross is, how capturing the cross is. And uh, it captivates our attention. Think about that. It attracts our attention and our affection. And then it compels our devotion and our duty because we're arrested by what God has done for us. Oh, I'll tell you, I thank God for the cross today. I'm truly happy to be saved. I don't know what I'm going to face in this world, but I know I don't face it alone. I know the Lord goes with me, goes before me, and all the blessings that come into my life, it's all because of the goodness of our great God. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. The Bible says there's no variation in Him. There's no changing in Him. He is constant. He changes not. He is faithful. I hope we'll serve Him and worship Him today. I'm thinking about some of the things I said last week concerning this survey on love. Remember these questions asked of these four and eight-year-olds. And uh, I wanted to read a few more this morning. I thought it would encourage us because we're talking about love in this season, this season of suffering and sacrifice. Greater love hath no man than this. A girl by the name of Noel, age seven, said, Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. Ladies, understand that, all right? Cindy, age eight, said, During my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me and saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that. I wasn't scared anymore. Tommy, age six, says, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they have known each other for so long and so well. That's a great statement, is it not? Even after they know each other so well. Aren't you glad that we have a God who loves us? He knows us so well, yet He still loves us as His children. Aren't you thankful for that today? I think about the message and what God has led me in last Sunday, today, and Lord willing, next Sunday. Last week we talked about the surrender of Jesus in the garden. Today I want to talk to you about this thought or theme from God's Word, the silence of Jesus. I've never thought about some of these particular things heading to Calvary, heading to Resurrection Sunday and what we celebrate as the great victory of our Savior over death, hell, and the grave. But I think about this. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me in God's Word. We're going to begin here by introduction in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's right after Psalms and then Proverbs And you'll come to the book of Ecclesiastes. And so find your place here. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want you to notice what we read in verse 1. 
The Bible says to everything there is a season and a time, get that, and to every purpose under the heaven. And it talks about different times and seasons here as this unfolds. But then we get to the last part of verse 7 and we read, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Many of us are uncomfortable with silence. We don't want quietness. We want our lives filled with volume, activity, interaction. And we lose something that God has ordained. We miss to a, and, and the blessing that God has intended, but also we miss out on experiencing the power and the strength that comes from silence. Can you imagine that? To everything there is a season. There's a time to say something. There's a time not to say something. There's a time to chime in and there's a time not to chime in. Some feel as though they have to chime in on everything. They have to speak their opinion. They have to uh, comment. They have to respond. That's what social media is all about so many times. And I would caution you and encourage you not to get caught up in that because that's a spirit oftentimes that is one of haste. The Bible says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 29, 20. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Proverbs 14, 29, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly, someone who is hasty in their spirit within, their reactions, their response, their words without, we would understand as well. It's amazing. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls, Proverbs 25, 28. God is saying when you speak without fault, without purpose, you are opening your mind, your heart, your spirit, and even those whom you influence. You're creating a realm in which folly, sin is exalted. Doubt, indictment, confusion, misunderstanding, misrepresentation, evil surmising. That means coming to a conclusion based upon inaccurate or insufficient information. God says, that's not healthy. He healthy, that's just something that you are encouraging and cultivating that you don't realize that you need to. You need to see that, hey, I'm creating an environment where the adversary can thrive. Those imaginations that can come into people's minds because of my inferences... Uh, my snide remarks, my whispers, I always feel like i got to say something. We need to be careful. Some people listen to others not to understand them and where they're coming from, but simply they listen to them to respond. They're quick to answer, quick to chime in, quick to even talk over them because they feel like, no, let me tell you, here's what I think, here's what I'm feeling. They think I have to be heard. And sometimes I read where even psychologists say that people who grow up 
in an environment to where there is tension and strife and there's insecurity there, they oftentimes feel like they've got to assert themselves because they have to find acceptance somewhere because they felt such rejection for so long. We're looking for affirmation. We're looking for someone to give us a hearing to try to listen to us. But we've got to learn if we want people to listen to us, we've got to learn to listen to others. We've got to understand that there's a time to speak. There's a time to listen. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to think. There's a time to take it all in. There's a right way to respond and there's a wrong way. There's a healthy way and there's an unhealthy way. I think about this and I want us to turn in our Bibles back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26 where we were last Sunday. And I want you to follow along here. Matthew 26. And I want you to notice some things. I hope you'll write it down this morning about the attributes of silence, the silence of Jesus. I used to think it was so weak. I, I honestly, as a young Christian, would read Jesus standing before his accusers and uh, not responding. And I would think, why don't you just say something, Lord? Why don't you just strike out at them? Why don't you put them in their place? See, that's the flesh. That's the flesh that says, hey, you speak against me, I'll speak against you more. You rise up against me, I'll rise up against you. You push back on me, I'll, I'll push back on you, I'll prevail upon you. See, we're just struggling in the flesh oftentimes. Jesus, his kingdom was not of this world. He was not dominated by the flesh. And so he had wisdom, he had power, he had authority that so many people didn't recognize. And even in his silence, something that I thought was such a negative is really a huge positive. There is a power, there is a strength there in his silence. As we think about this, the Bible says in Matthew 26, he was standing before Caiaphas in verse 57 and following the high priest and then the scribes and the elders, they were assembled here, the Sanhedrin made up of 70 men plus the high priest. And this was the Supreme Court ruling and religious and civic matters and affairs and this day even criminal cases and what they said went. And Jesus is standing before them and the chief priests and elders in verse 59 and all the council saw witnesses against Jesus to put him to death but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came yet found they none at the last two false witnesses. And said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? Underline this statement in verse 63, but Jesus held his peace. To me, I at one time when I was in high school thought about being a lawyer because I like to debate. <laughs> and I could see myself presenting a case doing all the homework, getting all of my thoughts and my ducks in a row and standing there in defense of someone who is innocent and helping the people to see clearly, consistently, logically, there's innocence here and not guilt. And I'll tell you, that's my instinct to speak up, to speak back, to say, let me explain. But Jesus, the Bible says, held his peace. <laughs> wow. There has to be something to that. 
the power of silence to get people's attention, to reveal people's faults and intents of their heart, to draw people closer or to, in essence, push them away. I remember hearing a man one day said, I told my staff, don't worry when I'm directing you and correcting you. Worry when you don't hear from me anywhere anymore. The power of silence to get someone's attention. Believe me, they were all zeroed in then like, we're expecting you to speak. We're expecting a response. Sometimes we need to stop and see the power, the value of silence. Because we go on and on and on so many times saying so much and really in reality saying so little, if anything at all. We need to stop and consider and think with greater thought, greater depth, greater understanding. Because the Bible says, Jesus held his peace and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. This was like I'm putting you under oath now and you have to answer and you have to tell us the truth. Jesus saith unto him in verse 64, Thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. See how this reveals the heart? Jesus, if you'll study this, when he was falsely accused, held his peace. But when they made a statement that was true, he answered. I thought that was interesting. He just merely affirmed it. Perhaps expounded upon it somewhat. Jesus was all about the truth. Let me ask you, are you after the truth today in your life before God with other people? Or are you just looking for a way to discredit them, to discount them, to dismiss whatever they say? Are you after the truth? It's only the truth that will set us free. It's only the truth that will prevail. They weren't after the truth. They were trying to draw him into some snare, even something he had said three years prior. See, they never forgot what he said. They were always looking to catch him in his words, the Bible says. It simply is revealing their heart. And when he affirmed the reality and the truth of himself, their heart shone forth that much more. He rent his clothes. He has spoken blasphemy, he declared. Oh, I think about what they did in verse 67. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Wow, how they mocked him. I'll tell you, the power of silence oftentimes to reveal others' hearts and their intent, to get their attention to help people to pause and stop and consider and think more deeply. See, if your heart is right with someone, you're not demanding an audience. You're not looking for debate. You're not looking for trying to uh, up, uh, get one up on them. That, that's not right. If your heart is right, you want to talk. You want to have a genuine conversation. You want to understand. You want to work together. But when your heart is not right, 
Well, I'll tell you, if someone was silent before you, even as God is at times to us, we're waiting on the Lord. See, someone who's waiting on God, who's sincere, is like, Lord, I'd sure like to hear from you. Job said, I don't know where he is and what he's doing, but my heart is sincere. I'm willing to wait. Someone after a while will feel offended, slighted. I'm not waiting any further. I mean, uh, this is beneath me. I'm insulted by this. I mean, who would treat someone like this and really care for them? See, that reveals the heart. Do you see the power of silence to bring people to a realization of revealing what is really within? I'll tell you, God uses that in our lives. And Jesus was using it here. And I think it's interesting. When they falsely accused him, he held his peace. When they spoke the truth, he merely affirmed it. And that even inflamed them and brought it out that much more clearly. Number two, the confidence of silence. The confidence. I've thought about this. Remember back in Matthew 26 when Jesus prayed in verse 39, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You remember what he said before Pilate, John 18, 37 records, when Pilate asked him, Art thou a king? Then Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus knew why he had come into this world. He was on a mission for the Father to do his Father's will. So as he stood there, he didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to go on and on and on and try to get out of what he knew they were going to do. He was fully submitted to the Father's will. I'll tell you, there's a confidence there. See, I used to think Jesus was standing there and it was weak, but it was strength, it was confidence. Meekness is not weakness, we understand. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it is strength under control. Jesus stood there. Some people say, well, why don't you chime in? Why don't you speak up? Why don't you say something? There's a time for that. And there's a time when that is a display of weakness. A fool uttereth all his mind. We think, well, somebody needs to say something. Somebody needs to chime in. Somebody needs to put people in their place. That's not strength. That's weakness. There's a strength when you come to the point and say, no comment. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm resting in Him. I'm not going to get drawn into something that is unproductive, even perhaps ungodly. Remember when Paul told Timothy, there's certain things people debate about and strive about. He said, avoid them. Don't go there. Don't enter into that conversation. Don't be a part of that. Be confident in the Lord. Rest in Him. Know that with Christ you can say, I'm doing the will of my Heavenly Father. May His will be done. I'm going to trust Him all the way through. Come what may. I know that the child of God, the servant of God is indestructible in this life until God completes His work in Him. More of us need to live with that kind of liberty and that confidence and that freedom. We're living each day just like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh no, the sky's falling. Oh no, what we're going to face? Oh, it's going to get worse. Let me tell you, the Bible says that. <laughs> Evil men and seducers shall wax what? Not better and better, but 
Worse and worse. So what, what are we going to do? Talk about it? Talk about it? If we'd spend less time in the news and more time in the good news, then I'll tell you, we'd have greater victory in our lives. God wants us to have that kind of confidence in Him. Be of good cheer, but overcome the world. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. There's a confidence oftentimes. We hear all the volume of the world and they're chiming in every day. And some of us, we're, we're just restless if we don't have some kind of volume in life. And we're uncomfortable when we have to be still or quiet and we're missing something. Acts 17 talks about how there are those every day trying to find some new thing. Have you ever gotten to the point to where you can even read headlines now and know what they're trying to do? They're trying to dramatize everything. I think they finally figured it out. Most of the times if you read the headlines, you didn't need to read the story. Now they've made the headlines different people in such a way to where it's like, you know, read what people are saying about so-and-so's decision this week. And you're like, wow, I wonder what that is. Or like, I don't know if any of you follow football that much. I love sports and Archie Manning's grandson, is it? You know, Arch, they're trying to get him signed up. And I mean, they've got a report like every other day. It's like, read the latest news on him. And it's like, you know, uh, somebody gave him a new pair of cleats or something. I mean, that's, that's really the, the heart of the story. So that means he may uh, one day when he's in the NFL represent that company, uh, you know, and their shoes. Uh, it's, it's at that level. And see, some of us, if we're not careful, we're given. We're given to everything, all the volume this world has. And no wonder we're so restless ourselves. No wonder we lack confidence. I'll tell you what, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church if we'll go out here and take the truth of this city. Isn't that right? But how many of us will do that this week? How many of us will invite someone to our Savior because there's a confidence in us in the Lord and in His Word and His presence in our lives and the power of the gospel and that nothing can happen to me that God doesn't allow. And if God wants me to go home today, then fine. I can't lose. Oh, we need that kind of confidence, do we not? May God give us the power of silence, the confidence of silence, and then lastly, the volume of silence. If you look in chapter 27, Jesus is standing before the governor, Pilate, being interrogated. And the Bible says in verse 11, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused, see the difference here? Of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Marveled, he wondered, he admired. Greatly, exceedingly great. It's like, wow, there's something different about this fellow. There's something going on here at a deeper level that I'm not seeing right now. This is highly unusual. You know, as I think about it, it's been said there are times when silence is golden and Times when silence is yellow. We need to know when to speak and when not. But wisdom comes from God that gives us that discretion. 
It has been said, it's better to keep one's mouth shut and thought to be a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. We've got to be careful here. Now, get this. Sometimes what is not being said speaks louder than what is being said. Do you see that? Sometimes what is not being said speaks louder than what is being said. God wants us to listen to Him. We think, well, I'm hearing everyone else chime in, everyone else say, I'm not hearing God. Well, maybe God is speaking, you've just not put yourself in a place where you can hear what He's saying. What does He say in the book of Psalms? He says, Psalm 46 and verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still, gather yourself, be quiet before the Lord. If we'll get still before God, we'll be able to hear that still, small voice. And some of us are afraid of that. Lord, speak to me, for thy servant heareth. I don't want to be afraid to hear the Lord. I'll tell you, when God has moved this church forward, He's moved on my heart to lead the church, to consider, to pray about, to commit to the next step that God would have for us. Those times have always come out of my personal times with God in stillness, in silence, in waiting on the Lord. The most important thing I can do as pastor of this church is walk with the Lord and seek His face. See, it's the Lord's vision for this church that we want, not mine, not someone else's. A lot of churches, that's what happens to them over time. There are competing visions between the pastor and some people. And some people try to get more power, more access, because they want their vision over the pastor's vision. And then some men make it about themselves. They're more ambitious than men of faith and vision. And can you imagine all the confusion that goes on at this level? I tell you, so many of us in our churches have made church about us and me and what I think and what I want, what I see and what I believe would be the best route. Do we agree this morning that God knows all that? And God knows what He wants for us as a people? Well, then all we have to do is be still and quiet long enough to hear that still small voice witnessed by His Spirit through His Word. This is what I want. I remember it was a bright, sunny summer morning, June 23rd, 1999. I just got along with God. And I thought, well, I'm going to pray about some things. I need to seek God. I need His mind and direction in some matters. I'll never forget it was that morning in prayer without even any thought on my heart that God would do this that God began to speak to my heart and put in my heart to lead this church to start our academy. And I thought, wow, I was surprised as anyone else. Because when I came, people said, well, do you think you'll ever start a Christian school? I said, let me tell you how I look at it. I don't have a vision for this church. God does. I believe if we'll follow Him, He will lead us in His time and show us all that He wants. That's the way I believe it. This is not my church. It's the Lord's. 
So it's not my vision. I believe if we just seek God, He'll make that known. So no, I'm not coming here thinking, well, we're going to do this, and then one day we'll do the other. That's not the way God led me. The way God led me is just to know that I was coming here at His bidding, to seek Him, and then to lead the church to do His will. You know, that fall of 2000, God led, and we started the school. I am so grateful that we have what we have today. So many young people have been saved, others that God has directed and worked in their lives in so many different ways. I'm so grateful for that. I love preaching in chapel to them. I love seeing God work in their lives. There's so many things I could talk about, but that came out of a time of being still and quiet before God. And some of us are looking for the thunder and the lightning and the great wind. We're looking for all these mighty, spectacular things and say, well, hey, I know God's at work. Well, oftentimes God, who is always at work, is speaking. We've just got to get ourselves in a place of silence to hear Him. And if God, if for a time, is silent, see, that draws us to Him. That reveals our heart. That helps us to search our heart and let Him try it and refine it before Him. God wants us to humble ourselves so that we can just simply understand the volume of silence. Jesus, the Bible says, by not saying a word, Pilate marveled greatly. I don't know where you're at today. God will lead you. He may have you answer something in your life. He may have you give it to Him and remain silent and trust Him with it. Rather than defending yourself, rather than debating again, which is what it will be with some, it'll never end if that's the route you go. Then that's exactly what will happen in your life. You'll get nowhere. There needs to be a time of silence. I've given this to God, and I'm resting in the Lord. And I don't feel like I have to debate, rehash, Go back through everything all over again and again and again because we get nowhere. Someone said, how do you know when you're really over a deep hurt or wound in your life? And they said, when God brings you to the place of healing in your heart where you don't feel like you have to talk about it anymore or explain it or tell people about it, you've given it to God and you've moved on. There's a time when you just don't talk about it anymore. You're silent about it. There's a power. There's a strength there that God wants us to see. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.